This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 108, and we are recording on Tuesday, November 28th. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Happy post-Thanksgiving, everyone. Yay! Happy jet lag. Yay! (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I have uh, been wearing eating pants for about a week, so today's my first day back in, like, jeans, like a normal person. (laughs) Eating Um, pants! No, I'm in my comfies today because I traveled yesterday, so I get to, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are you reading? Um, I finished on the plane yesterday. I finished Jagannath by Karen Tidbeck, which is a really bonkers short story collection. Um, it's very Kelly Link, China Mieville is what it reminded me of. And she's a mm, Swedish. Yes, she's a Swedish writer. Um, and it, there's like an interesting note in the book about how she like basically started writing in English because she wasn't getting translated into English and she really wanted to submit to like all of these short fiction magazines that are in the US. Um, So that was super interesting. And yeah, I really liked it. It was also, it was a weird thing to read on a plane because some of the stories are really grotesque. And I was like, you know, in that weird like plane headspace and tired from getting up early. And I was just like... Is this is this the right thing to be reading right now? <laughs> like is my brain gonna recover? <laughs> but it was good. It was good in the in the bad way. You survived. Yeah, I did, I did. How about you? Um, I have started Autumn by Ali Smith, um, which was shortlisted, I can never remember, for the man booker. Um I went into it not knowing anything about it other than uh it's Ali Smith, who I've heard very good things about but have never read, and also it's about Brexit. So question mark. Um but it I mean it is about Brexit, sort of tangentially, but it's also as far as I can tell I'm about halfway through now, and as far as I can tell so far, it's act- it's mostly about this relationship between a young girl and her neighbor who is like an elder I guess he's elderly, yeah, an elderly man, and they're like friendship and uh, over the years. And it's like kind of really heartwarming and sweet with interspersed with chapters about the horror of like horrible racism and xenophobia and, you know, Brexit. So huh. it's, it's a very interesting reading experience. I'm really liking it. Uh, having never read her before, I didn't realize that she, or maybe it's just this book, but she's kind of stream of consciousness um, in some places, like very experimental. Some chapters are told like completely normal narrative style and some of them are, are super not. So she's got a lot of range. Hmm. And I will let you know (laughs) how it goes. Um, So how this show works, like I said, this is a personalized reading recommendation show. So if you have a reading recommendation request that you need answered, you can send those to us. It can be for yourself, a gift for someone, you're asking for someone for your book club, whatever, it doesn't matter. Send them all to us. You can email your questions to us at getbookedatbookriot.com or you can drop them in the uh, form at the bottom of the show notes on the site. If your question is time sensitive, please let us know in the first line of uh, the question if you're using the form or in the subject if you're using the email. Um, We do respond via email to some questions if we've answered them before on the show. We don't expect you to go back and listen to 108 episodes to see if your question's already been answered. Uh, So we'll email you back if that's the case or if your question is super time sensitive and we know we're not going to get to it um, on the show. Okay, Uh, we do have a bit of feedback. Uh, We had a questioner last week who was asking for book recommendations for um, books that take place during the Middle Ages or, you know, medieval time frame. And Melissa, who's one of our Bookwright Insiders, recommends The Hangman's Daughter by Oliver Poach, which is translated from the German. And it's the first book in a Hangman series and deals really closely with a a witch hunt when a series of children are um, abducted and murdered. She also recommends Daughter of Time by Josephine Tay, which is not really medieval, but it's set very deeply, like delves very deeply into Richard III and Princess in the Tower and that whole thing. So thank you, Melissa. Okay, so we don't have questions this week. (laughs) We are doing kind of an unusual format. This is, uh, you know, we're getting into holiday gift-giving season. So the next two weeks are going to be holiday gift-giving 
recommendation shows. This week, Jen and I are just going to give you our Swiss Army recommendations. These are recommendations that are probably great for any and all readers. We've split them into genres. So if you have a person in your world who you want to give a book to and you know what kind of books they they tend to like, but beyond that are unsure what to give them, we have recommendations for you. Next week, we will be answering um, reader questions, uh, you know, people who have sent us questions asking what gifts should I give to X person. So we've got both styles of holiday gift giving shows coming out this week and next week. Um, so I don't have a question for us to get to. So Jen will give us our first <laughs> sponsor and then we will talk about our first round of Swiss Army holiday recommendations. Indeed. All right. So our first sponsor for today's show is uh, Tarcher Perigee, who are the publisher of Total Cat Morrow. No, Total Cat Mojo. Sorry, there's a typo <laughs> in my show notes. Um, Total Cat Mojo by Jackson Galaxy, which is a comprehensive cat care guide from the star of Animal Planet's hit show, My Cat from Hell, which I have never seen, but now I need to watch. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, and the book explains how to eliminate feline behavioral problems by understanding cats' instinctive behavior, a.k.a. Cat Mojo. So Jackson Galaxy, who has the best name ever, clearly, um, is the host of the show, as I said, and is a cat behaviorist and a New York Times bestselling author. This is his fourth book, and it brings together all of his work um, from his in-home consultations to the episodes of the show to stuff from his previous three books. Uh, And it is basically teaching you how to get your cat to have cat mojo, which is the confidence that cats exhibit when they are at ease in their environment and in touch with their natural instincts, which are to hunt, catch, kill, eat, groom, and sleep. Hopefully not all involving you. Um, I have cats, so I know about these things. But yeah. so interesting. I I know. It's super interesting. I basically is talking about how there's like a cat inside your cat, your cat's like ancestral instincts, and how you can tune into those to make sure that they're like, you know, not scratching. Scratching up your furniture, or biting other humans, or um, having anxiety, or not going to the bathroom in the litter box. All of those common cat owner problems that we all like pray not to have. Um, <laughs> this book is going to teach you how to not have them. I might have to get myself this book. I might gift myself this book for Christmas. My cats are actually very good, though. Um, but you know, you live in fear of that day when suddenly they're not. I guess I had, I've had cats. Um, my whole life, except mm-hmm. I don't now. My ex, my ex husband got the cat in the divorce. Boo. Is a true statement. But uh, I got the dog, so it's fine. But I have kind of always gone through life assuming that cats are untrainable or like. Oh un- no, they're you know, very like trainable. They're, but they're so like aloof and. I do what I want, but I guess that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, I mean, you're not wrong that they are more aloof than dogs, but I, I have definitely, I had a cat who would, we trained him to play fetch. Like, we that's would amazing. toss a toy and he would go get it and bring it back and he totally responded to his name. Anyway, I mean, it kind of depends on your cat, but if you need cat advice from an expert or you have cat lovers in your life who could use this book, definitely check it out. It's Total Cat Mojo by Jackson Galaxy, sponsored by Tarcher Perigee. Thank you so much for your sponsorship um that's great okay so i'm just gonna keep talking so i yes we gave ourselves genres to go for and the first book that occurred to me that really feels like you could give it to a lot of different kinds of people is the fortunes by peter ho davies which i found thanks to a recommendation from celeste ng bless her forever and ever um and i saw a lot of people this year looking for novels to read after homegoing or novels that have like multiple generation storylines and this book definitely is a fit for people who love literary fiction historical fiction contemporary fiction like all of those things this book has. So it it looks at, it's a novel, um, and it looks at American history through the lives of four different Chinese Americans. Um, and it goes back to like, you know, the building of the railroads in California and um, the first character is a railroad baron's, baron's valet who like becomes sort of the model for uh, hiring Chinese laborers to work on the railroads and like his conflicted feelings about that. Um, and it's got a, a storyline from a woman who becomes uh, Hollywood's first Chinese movie star. Um, there is a really kind of hard to read section about a hate crime victim. And then the last story is sort of the contemporary one, uh, a biracial writer who's visiting China to adopt a baby. So there's like a, a huge breadth of American history that's covered. There's different characters, there's different voices and tones. And 
like the author pulls it off so well. It really just feels like it has enough callbacks and through lines where it feels like one narrative, but the voices are still really distinct. And it's it's super readable. It's really compelling. I just thought it was so great. Um, and it is a really good fit for those people in your life who like, you know, books like Hope and Going or want historical fiction, but also want it to have a contemporary spin. It's it's just such a good book. So that's The Fortunes by Peter Ho Davies. Okay, so for this kind of like literary fiction genre section, I picked The Essex Serpent by Sarah Perry. Um, and I picked this not in small part because it has a beautiful cover and you will get a gasp upon present opening of the Essex Serpent. It's just like, it's just a pretty object. Like the cover is very nice and fancy. The book has deckled edges. Like it's just nice to look at and hold. Um, But it's also got a lot going on. It ticks off a lot of different genre boxes or sub-genres of literary fiction. It's set in Victorian London and the English countryside in the 1890s. Um, So if you've got somebody who likes classics and Dickens and that sort of thing, then this will really um, tick that box for them. There's a mystery. There's a romance. It's very intellectual. Um, it's just got a lot going on. And it's it's fast-paced. Like, I, it's big. I mean, it's a big, like, Victorian novel written in 2017. But it's essentially a Victorian novel. It's almost 500 pages. But I read it in, like, two sittings. It's, a, it's fast-paced, um, but also really well-written on a sentence level. So I think it scratches a lot of those itches that literary fiction people really want in their books. So it's about two people, Kara Seaborn and Will Ransom. Uh, Cora, I'm sorry. Cora Seaborn. Cora is... Um, a widow whose really horrible, abusive husband has just died. She is pretty young um, and decides that she's just going to, like, live her life how she wants and, like, never deal with dudes again, because why would you? Um, And so she decides she's going to pursue her passion for uh, naturalism, which is, like, science, but they didn't really have, like, the same kind of terms for it uh, in Victorian England. Um, And she hears rumor that the Essex serpent, which is this mythological snake beastie thing um, that haunts, kind of haunts, um, an area of the English countryside has returned and is, like, killing people. So she goes off to... Aldwater, this parish where in in Essex, where the serpent is was supposed to be uh, sighted, to see if she can find it. Like as her like part of her scientific discovery, she's going to go off and discover this new species. Um, and then the other main character is Will, who is the um, I never get these terms right. Vicar, like preacher, whatever, whatever the English version of the preacher is of, of the you know neighborhood. I think it's vicar. Um, and he and Cora become kind of like best friends despite the fact that Cora does not necessarily believe in God and really thinks that this beast that is supposedly haunting the countryside is a new species that she's going to discover in the name of like Darwin and science and all this sort of thing. Uh, Will is unsurprisingly a more um, religious person being, you know, a preacher and they deviate from each other's worldviews almost entirely, but they can't like, they're just, they just love each other. Like, they very desperately love each other. Um, their friendship starts off as, like, an intellectual sparring thing. Eventually, it becomes something deeper. Will is married, and his wife can see what's happening, but is kind of cool with it. Like, she wants her husband to have this outlet for his newfound, like, intellectual feelings. And she's not a particularly curious person when it comes to intellectual pursuits, so she just sort of, like, lets it happen. It's a very interesting, um, like, romantic triangle thing there that's happening. Uh, And then the mystery part is, you know, what's the Essex Serpent? Like, people are disappearing. Some people are dying. Like, what is this thing that's happening in the countryside? Is it actually a serpent? Is it, like, a killer? Is it nothing? Is it hysteria? Like, what is it? So there's a lot going on. It's a lot of... um, It's fast-paced and interesting and pretty. And those are the things, I think, that make a good gift. So that's the Essex Serpent by Sarah Perry. Okay, is it my turn? I've, yeah, I was going to say we haven't really decided how, to <laughs> how do we're going to do this. Yeah, I'll keep going, whatever. Okay, so for the second uh, genre, we, well, Jen really, because she picked these before me, genres, <laughs> and I just went with it, uh, picked uh, Romance. Um, so I went with, for Romance, the Loyal League series, which is by Alyssa Cole. Um, the first book is An Extraordinary Union. The second one just came out last week, and it's called A Hope Divided, um, and I'm sure they will continue. According to Goodreads, there's the third in the offing, but there's no more information about it. Um, but you can give the first two together. They have very, like, not matching covers, but you can tell that they are part of the same series. Um, so the Loyal League series takes place in the South. All of them are, have taken place in the South so far. I don't know about the third one. Uh, during the Civil War in the U.S. And in the first one, the heroine's name is Elle, and she is a freed slave who has an eidetic memory and has used her um, 
intellectual prowess to get a position with the Loyal League, which is um, kind of a underground network of former slaves and slaves um, who are working with, you know, Lincoln's army to help the Union win the war. So she has a position as an undercover agent, essentially, for the American government and goes undercover as a, as a mute slave in um, the Richmond home of a very high-ranking Confederate officer. Uh, while she's there, she meets Malcolm, who is a detective for the Pinkerton Secret Service, which was like a, the precursor to the FBI. Um, and he is also undercover in the home as a Confederate soldier himself. So when they meet, they don't obviously don't know what the other is. He has to pretend to despise her because she's black and a slave. He, she has to pretend, to, doesn't pretend, she despises him because she thinks that he's a Confederate soldier. They find out the truth about each other and end up having to work together. So there's, there's love and history and um, intrigue, lots of spying. Like, I don't know what else you want out of a romance. But, you know, one of the most frequent requests that we get uh, around romances for Get Booked is like, I want one, but a smart one. Or like, I want one, but a feminist one. Like, people still have these preconceived notions about what romance is. And I think that the Loyal League series, the first two books in them, really turn those preconceived notions on their heads. Both of her heroines in the series are in horrible societal positions, but they are so, like, they have so much resilience in the face of it. They're very feminist. They're very much so dealing with historical accuracies of the time, but pieces of that that resonate with the things that we're dealing with in, you know, America in 2017. Alyssa Cole is so smart in writing historically accurate fiction that 200 years later still feels like she could be writing about something that, you know, you read in the news last night, unfortunately. Um, but also the love is like, you just root so much for these couples. Um, the heroes are not jerks, which is great. <laughs> I feel like that's a big deal in romance, like a hero who's not a jerk. Um, and both of the heroes in her, both of the books have biracial love stories. So the, the heroine is black and the hero has been white in both of the stories, which in, you know, 1860 has a lot more um, connotations and power dynamic issues and stuff. And she doesn't ignore any of that. Like she has the characters sit down and like have these conversations about what loving somebody who is white when you're a black woman in Richmond, Virginia in 1860, like what that means. Is that even possible? So yeah, they're really smart. I like them a lot. So the first book is An Extraordinary Union, and that's the Loyal League series by Alyssa Cole. Extremely cosine. <laughs> they're so good. Um, yes, I wanted to, we get a lot of questions, as Amanda said, for like, good romance, not cheesy, <laughs> feminist, like people are struggling to find their romance series. And for my money, um, in contemporaries that came out this year, Al Alicia Rye's Forbidden Hearts series is like the, the gateway romance um, that you all need slash required reading for romance, already romance fans. Um, so the first book is Hate to Want You. The second book is Wrong to Need You. Both are out now. Um, so you could do two out of three if you were gifting them. The third one comes out in early 2018, I believe. Um, and these are, like I said, contemporaries, and they follow uh, two families who have been feuding. Um, the older generation of parents, when the kids were all teenagers, um, there was like a business deal gone awry, and people died, and like it, it all got very messy and very bad, and everybody like kind of blew up. They had previously been business partners and very close and now they like can't even be in the same room. And so the children, like this is many years later, the children are grown and they are starting to try to figure out like what are their lives going to look like? And in the first one, the hero and heroine are Livy Kane and Nicholas Chandler. That's the family names. Um, and they were childhood sweethearts and basically, but they got broken up by this family scandal. And every year since they would meet on her birthday for like one night together and then not speak for the rest of the year. And they never talked about anything. They just like met up and did the thing and then like, you know, disappeared for another year. Um, and this year, like Livy has decided like she's not going to do it anymore. Um, and she's trying to put her life together. She's trying to, you know, get back together with her like... She, her mom has been sick and she and her mom have not had a good relationship. So she's coming home to take care for, of her mom and try to like repair that. Um, and of course, in the process, she runs into Nicholas. And then in the second book, uh, which is I like I didn't think I could love a book more than Hate to Want You. But then I read Wrong to Need You. Um, it's about uh, Livy's best friend, Sadia. 
and Jackson Kane, who is Nicholas's brother, and they were very close. And then Jackson just like stopped responding to emails, fell out of touch. Sadia got married to his older brother, um, had had a kid, like, and then uh, her husband died, and uh, like she's been a struggling single mom ever since. Um, and she's really struggling to try to figure out like who she is as a person, as well as who she is in the context of like all of this family drama that she got sucked into by marrying into it. And then Jackson comes back into town because Livy's back in town and things unfold from there. And these books deal really well with issues like depression, anxiety, single motherhood, like family patterns, family dysfunction. There's some like emotional abuse in the family. Um, And it's just so good at picking apart all of these very complicated real life relationships while also being super steamy and like very emotionally compelling. Like you get the love story, you get the flirting, you get the tension, you get the steamy scenes, but then you also get all of those other layers that are wrapped up in real life. Like nothing is simple and that's that's real. And it's just so, oh, they're so good. I love them so much. Um, The characters are also people of color, which you don't see a ton of in contemporary romance. Well, that's not true. We're starting to see more of it, um, but it, it can be hard to find. And these characters are great. And when you see the cover of Wrong to Need You, it's just like, oh, it's so perfect. Um, so yeah, I I think Alicia is doing amazing things with trying to write like really real complex characters, but give you all of the things that you love about romance at the same time. Um, and they're just, they're just so wonderful they're wonderful you should read them (laughs) so that's hate to want you and wrong to need you the forbidden heart series by alicia rye stocking stuffers hey i just made a pun oh (laughs) you did (laughs) oh my gosh you guys i'm so sorry (laughs) nice anyway (laughs) moving right along let Um, me write that down for later (laughs) yeah our uh, we have our next category is nonfiction. Um, very different. I'll talk for a little bit. Uh, let Amanda recover over there. Um, so I was thinking about uh, the year that a lot of us have had, which has been a hard one. And I was thinking about books that I read that like made me feel like I had a better handle on my response to American politics, my response to things that were going on in my life and like how I was going to move forward without like driving myself absolutely crazy. And the book that really killed it for me this year was Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. I've been reading her for a while. She's great. Um, but this book in particular, it might be my favorite thing she's done. And it is, uh, the subtitle is The Quest for True Belonging and the Courage to Stand Alone. And what she's looking at is this intense need that we have for community and then what it means to distance ourselves from that community because of a change in values or a discovery about the values of the community or you know any of these moments where we find ourselves having to step outside of where we previously felt safe or trying to decide if we're going to do that or not. Like, do we stay part of our community? Do we not say something? Do we say something? Like, all of these really intense questions are what she's talking about. And she's a social worker and she does qualitative research. So she does interviews with people. She looks at patterns and, you know, people's responses to situations like these. Um, She breaks it down really well, but she doesn't, it doesn't ever feel like she's simplifying or talking down. Like, she, she's, she's giving you some science and she's giving you some psychology and then she's looking at real life examples of how these will show up in your life and then giving you tools to think about like how you want to deal with these situations and I was not sure how I was going to feel about it to be a hundred percent honest like I was looking through the chapter headings and there's one that's something like it's hard to hate people close up so like move in and I was like I kind of would like to continue hating some people (laughs) maybe maybe I don't want to move in but that chapter was actually very good and very useful um and yeah she 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 does not simplify it's not just like well there's good in everyone like that's true but also we have to make decisions about where our line is and like how we're going to hold that line and she that's what she's addressing so this is the book that made me feel more sane and if you have people in your life who like could use a book that will help make them feel more sane um, I definitely would recommend this so that's Braving the Wilderness 
Awareness by Brene Brown. I also picked a how to deal with the political climate book for my nonfiction selection. Um, And I picked an essay collection. It's called Nasty Women, Feminism, Resistance, and Revolution in Trump's America. Um, And it is edited by someone whose name did it where? Oh, I'm in the wrong tab. Lord, (laughs) y'all. Get with it. Uh, It's edited by Samhita Mukhopadhyay. And there are 23 different contributors to this essay collection, some of whom are, I mean, like Cheryl Strayed, Jessica Valenti, Samantha Irby contributes to it. But the the overarching theme of this collection is that, you know, 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump. And like, how do the rest of us deal with that? Uh, 94% of black women voted for Hillary Clinton. 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump. Um, So there's obviously a divide here. And as women in this political era that we find ourselves in, um, how do we come together, move forward, and have the voices of people who are uh, the most affected by Trump's horrible policies heard? So that's what this essay collection is really about. Um, but it is reflecting a little bit on, you know, like how some of us felt the day after Clinton lost the election. Like Cheryl Strayed's essay is basically about staying in bed for a couple of days uh, after election night. Um, but then, you know, it moves forward past that. I think we're all kind of past, I mean, all of us, but it seems like a lot of us are kind of past that and are now into deep into like activism and that sort of thing. So um, like Jill Filipovic uh, has an essay about um, her work as a journalist and her travels in West Africa, you know, one of the first things that Trump did, one of his first executive orders was uh, the global gag rule about how people, um, nonprofits, traveling, health, not, what am I trying to say, medical nonprofits overseas who accept federal money could not tell women overseas about abortion health or talk about their reproductive health. Um, And so she's in West Africa, Jill was in West Africa when that happened, um, and doing work with those nonprofits. And so she is talking about that experience and like the real effects that his policies are having on real human beings. Um, some of them are more lighthearted and funny, like Samantha Irby, uh, her essay is about moving to the middle of nowhere. It's somewhere in like very rural America. I don't remember what state it's in, but you know, she's from the city. Um, and so as a queer woman living in the middle of nowhere, like her day to day, being scared of her neighbor because he drives a tractor. Like, the, some of the stuff that she says is just like, oh, my God, Samantha is going to be fine. But also, <laughs> maybe maybe not, you know? Uh, like, going into a restaurant with her wife, is that going to, like, is she going to get yelled at? Is someone going to refuse to serve her for any number of reasons? Um, and all of these, like, real, especially right after the election, um, any number of those real fears that she was facing. Uh, and then a lot of the essays are about, like, what do we do now? You know, here is my experience as... And as a marginalized woman, how do we move forward? Uh, So I really think that, you know, the the place that a lot of us are right now, we're a year into this presidency, and we've got a lot of wins, we've had a lot of losses, and the, the left is working on not being as fractured as we were right out of the election. And I think that um, for anybody who is considering those questions or thinking about how we move forward, not just like as the left, but like as a country or as, you know, women in general, um, will find this useful or at least interesting. So that's Nasty Women, Feminism, Resistance, and Revolution in Trump's America. And it's edited by Samhita Mukhopadhyay. Is it me? Yes. Okay. It's you. Um, so our next category is YA. <laughs> <laughs> Wahoo. Um, I'm going to let you talk. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking about... What you could give, there's a lot of people who are like wanting books that are not sciencey, but like gaming or hacking or technology. Um, and we're also blessed with some great female heroines in those narrative fields. So my recommendation for this year is Warcross by Marie Lu, which does have an amazing cover, by the way. It's a really excellent cover. Um, and it follows a like 18-ish year old hacker named Amika Chen, who is like really struggling. Her dad, uh, she's an orphan. Um, her parents are, have died. They left her with not very much. She's working as like a bounty hunter for the NYPD cops, like tracking down players who bet on this very intense internet game illegally so that they can like bring them in. Um, and she gets paid for that. And so, yeah, in this sort of alternate United States, there's this massive game called Warcross that's sort of like, um, World of Warcraft, but like, 
not. And and you there's battle teams and like the people who play and are highly ranked are superstars and there's a big augmented reality, you know, championship every year. Um and she is a huge fan and also a good hacker and she's, you know, tuning in for the opening ceremonies and she sees an opportunity to grab like an item that's worth a ton on the Warcraft mar- Warcraft market and she thinks she can get it while nobody's paying attention and she actually like hacks herself into the opening ceremonies whoops and like is totally busted and then they offer her a job and she's like wait what um and it turns out that somebody else has been hacking the game and she's been hired to track down who they are and what they want and what they're trying to do and things get very complicated from there there's like twists and turns and betrayals and like who's the person you can trust like it's very complicated um and Amika is not really here to make friends like she is broke and she needs the money this job is going to bring her and she loves hacking so she's really focused on that but they've kind of embedded her as part of a team and watching her interact with her teammates I found really great because she's like on the one hand she has no friends and could use some on the other hand she's not good at making friends <laughs> um, and it was just really great to see that dynamic represented on the page in like a balanced way um, and the supporting characters are fantastic. And it's just, it's one of those books that's fast paced. It sucks you in. It's got a lot of great characters. It's got a really like believable premise considering, you know, the online world today. Like it's, it all feels like it could happen tomorrow. Um, and I feel like people who are looking for, you know, follow ups to um, things like the Ernest Klein book, Ready Player One, or who are wanting like a more diverse version of that, this is a great pick. Or people who just like, they like YA, they want something fast pace they want something fun they want something that is like you know science technology gaming this is the book so that's war cross by marie lu and it is the first in a series which is it's there's there's a good resolution but then you're definitely like okay i need book two um so you know sorry not sorry <laughs> i've heard that that's a good uh read alike for ready player one do you feel like that's accurate yeah i mean i mentioned it like i think it's like the more diverse basically version of ready player one although significantly less 80s nostalgia like if the thing you loved about ready player one was like the obsession with the 80s this is not going to do that for you it's much more up to date in terms of its references how did I just like totally missed you saying that? Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You're busy Lovely. thinking about how you're going to talk about your pick. I actually was. I was trying to come up with a list of all the mashups that are in this book. There's like five. Um, so I had to, wanted to make sure I got them all. So my pick for YA is the Summoner series by Taryn Mathrew. There are three books in this series right now. And um, the three, the, the trilogy is complete. Like you could get it as a box set. They have really nice covers. Um, and they, the person, the person who's getting the books would get the whole story. The fourth book, which is coming out next year, is like a side story of a not the main character. So the three that are out now are, you know, the three that you need. Um, and so the mashups that are happening here are like, so this is a Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Pokemon. <laughs> together I know and it's amazing and I'm saving these books for my son so they're six now but they're obsessed with Pokemon and so I feel like this is like a book books that they're going to want to read later um so in this universe the main character's name is Fletcher he's a blacksmith apprentice uh, in a little village in this kind of like medievalish you know Lord of the Ringsy hard cheese Lord of the Ringsy kind of um <laughs> world and he's an orphan he was found as a baby, like, outside the gates of this little town, um, and the blacksmith, who is a bachelor, took him in, and their relationship is really adorable, um, and he discovers through a series of unfortunate events that he has the ability to summon demons uh, from, another, from, like, another dimension, which is not common, like, there aren't a lot of people in this world who could do that, but it is a thing that, is ex- that exists. People can summon these demons, and it reminds me, it's like Pokemon or the Philip Pullman, you know, universe where it's like your daemon, um, mm. and they become, you become um, partners together, you and your, your little demon guy, um, to fight baddies. Um, and so he discovers that he has this ability, and it's in the middle of uh, a war. His, the empire that he's a part of, the Hominum Empire, is at war against orcs. They have a very... Uh, shaky treaty with the elvish community and so the elves and the humans have kind of banded together to defeat the orcs and they are the war is not going well like the orcs are making inroads um into human territory farther and farther uh people are dying at very 
fast paces. The orcs also have the ability to summon demons, and no one can figure out where theirs are coming from. Theirs tend to be more powerful. Um, and so he is sent immediately, once it's discovered that he can do this, he's sent immediately to a military academy, which is where the, like, Harry Potter-ish kind of thing comes in. And there's even this, like, noblemen who are, you know, pure of blood and who have the ability to uh, summon these demons and who have uh, inherited demons from their parents, so they come in privileged with, like, more powerful partners. Um, and then there are commoners who accidentally have discovered that they can do these things, who, and they, the two, like, classes do not really get along. Um, there's a lot of infighting and sabotage, um, and it's very, like, Slytherin Gryffindor kind of a thing, except <laughs> it's rich people, poor people? I don't know. Um, and the, uh, so he gets caught up, Fletcher finds himself really caught up in the middle of all of these um, like geopolitics and interracial politics. In his class, there's uh, an emissary from the elf community, like the, the daughter of one of the you know big commanders in that community is in his class at this military academy. No one likes her or trusts her except for Fletcher, and so they've got to like except she's acting as an ambassador, so does she really want to befriend, like, the poor guy? <laughs> she tries to befriend the rich people. That doesn't go well because they're the worst. Um, so he has to figure out where his loyalties lie and then also strengthen his abilities as, a, you know, a handler of demons in order to, like, save humanity. Um, and as one would expect with, you know, a YA novel about the Chosen One, he is, for some reason, question mark, extremely good at it. And part of the, the trilogy is, like, finding out why he's so much better um, and skilled, naturally skilled at summoning and handling uh, these demons than people who have been, you know, born into bloodlines that have been doing it for forever. Um, so it's really, really fast-paced and interesting. A lot of the fun is, like, picking out, you know, the nods that Matthew is giving towards really beloved fantasy, uh, children's fantasy of the past. Um, and, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Like, it's just fun. So that's the novice, uh, not the, ser- the Summoner series. The first book is called The Novice by Taryn Matthew. Okie dokie. It's you again. It's me, sponsor time. So our second sponsor is Penguin Random House Audio. So this is a really great time. I mean, I know a lot of y'all have just gotten home from and are already planning out your future um, holiday travel plans. So it's a really great time to get into audiobooks. It's, you know, if you're stuck in a car for hours at a time with your family and you don't want to do much chatting, an audiobook is a great way uh, to kind of bring bring your family together without the fighting. Um, so if you can use uh, Penguin Random House Audio to like keep up with the bestseller list, if your book club is listening to maybe Origin by Dan Brown or Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng, um, if you want a more like conversational or conversation starting book with your family while you're traveling, Turtles All the Way Down by John Green, uh, The Book of Dust by Philip Pullman, which is a prequel, I think, to the um, Golden Compass. Is that right? Prequel? Yes. I can't remember. Or yes. like a side Comes story. before. Yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you. Um, and those, of course, you know, Philip Pullman will start lots of conversations. And John Green's book is a lot about mental illness, so that is an important theme that you could talk about with your kids. Um, so you could go to visit tryaudiobooks.com slash bookwrite and get a free full download to get you started if any of those sounded like something you want to listen to with your family. Or, you know, just buy yourself at the at the gym. I just installed a, sh- a speaker in my shower so I could nice. listen to audiobooks while I'm in the shower. Um, so that's the thing you could do if you are obsessive like me. So thank you so much to Penguin Random House Audio for sponsoring the show. Okay. Let's see. Our next section is science fiction and fantasy. This is why we had to do sections because otherwise yeah. I would have just picked like seven of these. <laughs> um, so I was narrowing it down and it was hard. This was a really amazing year in science fiction and fantasy. But I was trying, I feel like a lot of stuff was very buzzy and a lot of stuff you've heard me recommend a million times. And I remembered a book that I read earlier this year. It's called The Chimes by Anna Smale. And I, even though it won an award, I did not see a whole lot of chatter about it. And it was one of the most interesting fantasy books that I read this year. So this one specifically is for if you have musician friends, if you have friends who have like read everything in fantasy, um, or you have friends who love really good world building in sci-fi and fantasy, this is one that you want to give them. It is set in a sort of alternate London where no one can form... No one can retain memories. Like you kind of just have super short-term memory and the next day you're a blank slate and you're kind of starting all over again. The exception is that if you can, like, if you work really hard at it, you can kind of 
attach some memories to physical objects. So most people have like one or two long-term memories that have, that have, you know, been attached to these physical objects that they have, but otherwise there's nothing and there's no writing. So it's like writing is forbidden. Nobody remembers anything. So you're just kind of getting through your day based on what's in front of you and what's around you. And instead, the organizing principle of this world is music. There's, you know, bells that ring at specific times of the day um, that kind of keep people on track. And uh, the language of the book uses musical terminology because that's how the characters are thinking. It's like a close third. Um, so, you know, things happen using words like they happen pianissimo or lento instead of quickly or slowly. Or I probably got those wrong, but you know what I mean. Um, I was not a classical music person. And I, I only knew like a couple of these words, but the context is all there and you, you sort of learn how the words are incorporating into the book as you go along. And um, it follows a young man named Simon whose parents have died and he knows that there's a reason he came specifically to London. There's something he's got to figure out. But because like memory is so hard, he's not really sure what what he's doing. Um, but it turns out that he has a gift that can lead him to understanding why this world is the way it is. And it's not natural. And like, what can be done about it? And it's, it's got, it is, I, I, I have a hard time classifying it as sci-fi or fantasy because, you know, there's, there's like a specific metal involved in the bells and there's, there is some sciencey bits, but it's also very much like, this is just kind of how things are. So it feels fantastical in that aspect. Um, so you could, you could put it in a couple different categories. It's also a dystopia, right? It's a future in which there is a corrupt government and they are doing things that are not good for their citizens. So it, it ticks so many boxes. There's also a beautiful love story, um, and it is a gay love story. So it's it's a diverse and inclusive book, um, and I just I found it so surprising and so imaginative and so different from basically everything else that I read this year. It just really stood out and sort of stood alone. And um, there's some good action sequences, but it's also very thoughtful. So this is you know it's it's not like the easiest book to read because you do have to kind of learn how to how to hang with the vocabulary of the book but it's super rewarding and I feel like you know if you have people who are hard to buy for who love fantasy or who love music or who really love like detailed interesting different worlds this is a really good book for those folks and I do love the cover of this book as well so that's The Chimes by Anna Smale if y'all are still playing Get Booked Bingo you can check out the box of Amanda's dog is walking around making noise. She's climbing <laughs> in my lap right now. Lola, get down. No, no, no ma'am, get down. Uh, she was just under the kitchen table banging her tail into the Aww. legs. So that's that drumming that you're hearing. Go lay down. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. Um, so I picked Jade City by Fonda Lee for my fantasy pick here because Yay! it's amazing and it is so dad-like. Like if you need a book for your dad, I feel like Jade City is it because it's just the Godfather. Like it's an Asian fantasy version of the Godfather where instead of like gambling and drugs, there are drugs and a Jane trade. Like that is what's happening here. <laughs> it's like multi-generational. Um, there's a lot of political intrigue. It's very slow paced and all of the tension and the drama and the family situations builds really slowly. Um, I, it, it's, it's just like, it's so Godfathery. I don't even know how it's, to like sell it, um, especially to your dad. Your dad loves the Godfather, like you know he does. Um, so this <laughs> takes place on a fictional island, uh, island country called Kakan, and the the family, like the crime family that you're following, is the Cowell family, and they. Um, the patriarch of this family, who's no longer in charge, he's, you know, aging and really bitter and sad, um, and just kind of sticks in his wheelchair. But the, the patriarch and his best friend were rebels in this country. And, um, so the society is set up where Greenbones are kind of in charge now. And Greenbones are, are the name that they give to people who can handle Jade. And the Jade gives them almost supernatural abilities, um, or superhuman abilities. Like they, super strength, they can jump, um really high they can deflect things using just like energy um stuff like that so you know when you're a crime family having those sort of abilities is like 
hella useful. Um, but historically in the society, green bones were really looked down on. And the revolution that happened in this country was that they kind of took over or fought for their rights and uh, ended oppression. So the patriarch of the Call family and his best friend sort of really led this uh, revolution in society. And then over time, they had differences about how the country should be run, how the jade trade should be handled, and they developed their own um, families, basically, except they're like gangster families, like mob families. Uh, the call families is called No Peak, and the opposing family is called The Mountain. And so the, the patriarchs of both families are gone or are too old to care for them. The Mountain has been taken over by a granddaughter who is very cold and kind of sociopathic, and No Peak has been taken over by one of the grandsons. Um, and their families have to figure out how to survive. And that's basically what the story is about. Um, the two clans go to war over the jade trade and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and there's just, like, that's just it. Like, you're following all the machinations, the political maneuverings, the violence um, that comes from these two families and how much they will sacrifice for, you know, the name of, like, their clan and also their, like, personal honor. Like, there's a lot of that kind of thing going on. But it's just very, like, man, you're rooting for people even though you kind of don't know why. Like, you're yeah. rooting for them because they're the family that you were introduced to and they're, like, the family whose story you're really following. But they're really no better or worse than the opposing family, which I think might actually be her point, um, that these kind of power struggles are pretty pointless. Uh, but it's it's despite being a big chunkster and kind of slow going and very detailed, I was just like sucked into this book for days and days. And I really, really liked it. So uh, it's Jade City by Fonda Lee. Extremely cosine. So much <laughs> cosine. It's the first in a series too. I'm so excited about whatever's yes. next. I mean, I want it. I just want movies. Like I want yeah. Marlon Brando to come back, except an Asian version of Marlon Brando. Oh, I want like a, like a, like a HBO series. Yes. That's what I want. Yes. yes. Like Peaky Blinders, except yes. City. Like that's what I want this to be. Um, I think we have time for one more. Do you think? Yeah. Or could we let's do one in? more. Okay. Let's do one more. So we had two freebies picked, but we're just going to do one. Um, so, I will keep going. The freebie that I picked for you is Wonder Woman, uh, Warbringer by Lee Bardugo. And I picked this because, you know, Wonder Woman is having like a moment right now. Um, and I think that it would be a really good read for reluctant readers, especially kids. It is YA, um, but it's not like super gratuitously violent or sexual. So you can, I think you can push the YA to almost a middle grade level if you have a reader who's pretty advanced. Um, also, adults, of course, will love it. Um, but in this book, Diana is uh, a teenager, uh, as much as like an immortal being can be a teenager, but she's, she's younger. How about that? Uh, and she's on the island, um, and she witnesses a shipwreck off the coast of Themyscira, where she lives with all the Amazons. And she does the unthinkable, which is swims out past the protective border of the island and saves a person who she thinks is drowning and brings the girl who she saves back onto the island. This person is not... And Amazon, she's just a normal human. And then horrible things start happening. There, there are earthquakes. Um, some of the Amazons get really sick. And she knows that it's because she's brought this girl onto the island against, like, all of their laws, um, against all of the Amazonian laws. And so she goes to a, um, what you call it, an oracle, asking about, like, what she should do. The oracle tells her that the girl needs to be killed immediately, that the girl is what's called a warbringer, which is every generation um, there's a descendant of Helen of Troy who is fated to bring about war and misery and it is like the 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 job of the good guys to find the war bringer and kill her um so as to avoid not just like squabbles among the people she's around but like legitimate genocide world war this sort of thing and so diana decides that she's not going to do that that like it's not the right moral choice to murder this girl because of who she who her ancestors are and so thus they escape the island and go on a grand adventure trying to save alia is the girl's name um and also wonder woman has like kind of a coming of age um the writing is really great. Like, Lee Bardugo, if you're familiar with her, she writes a really great sentence, but it's not inaccessible. So if you have a reluctant reader who's a, who's a movie watcher or even a comics reader, I think this would be a good gateway into uh, novels. So that's Wonder Woman, Warbringer by Lee Bardugo. 
All right. My last one is Dot Journaling, A Practical Guide by Rachel Wilkerson Miller. And I picked this one because I know that I have seen a lot of people dealing with like trying to get their productivity in line and like how do I set up a planner or a bullet journal? Like how do I organize my life Um, is a question of eternal import to all of us and as we only get busier and busier. And um, there are a million billion apps, but I myself am a bullet journal user and this book I was like oh I already know everything like I don't (laughs) need this book but I'll look at it anyway no it was super useful I and and I kind of tested this out I I recommended it to a few other people and they all agreed um so she basically takes you step by step through like do you need a journal that's not a pre-planned out planner like some people really like those calendar books but I feel like they never have the spots I need when I need them. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is kind of like a roll your own planner system. And she breaks it all down. Like, how are you going to set it up? Here's some examples. Like, here's a lot of different ways you could do this. Here's like how it can be useful for tracking medical stuff. Here's how it can be useful for tracking personal health. Here's how it can be useful for tracking mental health. Like, here's how it can be useful for tracking groceries. Like, what do you need to track? Here's how you can track it. Um, And she gives sample layouts and she gives like a lot of different options and I just found it like super useful in a way that you know falling down that internet hole of looking at other people's spreads especially on like Pinterest and Instagram where everybody has like perfect handwriting and you're like why? Um, Suddenly like super good at watercoloring for some reason? Yes like what is this going on? She like sort of demystifies it and like breaks it down to the basics and then gives you room to figure out like do you want to get fancy? Like here's how if you really want to. Otherwise like here's how to keep it simple and useful. Um, So I I really was astonished at how helpful I found this and I have heard the same thing from a lot of other people. So if you are looking, if you have friends who are like, you know, already have bullet journals, they could definitely use this. If you have friends who are like looking and have never found a planner that works for them, this would be a good one. Um, I just really, I thought it was super great. It's really beautiful too. It's got really nice uh, photos and page layouts and like it's, it's very well put together. So that's dot journaling, a practical guide by Rachel Wilkerson Miller. I just one-clicked it while you were talking. Yeah! It's, <laughs> oh, I can't wait. It's really helpful. It's, I was like really, I really, I was so skeptical going in because I've had a bullet journal for years and then I was like, oh no, this is actually, like I changed my layouts because of this book. Huh. I so. do a very bare bones kind of bullet journal yeah. and sometimes I fall, off, I fall off the wagon. Like it works mm-hmm. for me occasionally, but now I have a third kid and like it's not, yeah. I need, new ideas so thanks for the one click no problem (laughs) and that's our show (laughs) huzzah thank you so much uh, for listening please go to apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review if you like the show or if you don't whatever that's fine we won't yell at you i might yell at you only in my head thank you so much to our sponsors for sponsoring the show the show you can find us on social media i'm at uh i'm amanda nelson on instagram mostly i'm kind of back on twitter but it's mostly just yelling so really if you want just like pictures of dogs and books go to instagram it's at i'm amanda nelson and jen where can they find you you can find me on Tumblr. It's jenirl.tumblr.com, and that's Jen with two N's. And we will be back next week with another holiday recommendation show, and we will talk to you later. Bye.